Welcome to the Michael Myers Minute, where we delve into the 1978 horror classic Halloween one minute at a time. I'm your host, Robert Black. For those waiting with bated breath, Dr. Loomis's coat does not remain in the air forever. And we have a guest today, uh, Niall McGowan of Batman 89. Welcome, Niall. Oh, hello. Hello, Robert. Thank you for having me. I should add, because uh, we've finished the 89 Batman, we've moved on to Batman Returns now. So between movies, we're doing like little hiatus episodes, and we had a double episode looking at uh, Purple Rain. We're sort of rebranded now, because we were, for so long, we were Batman at 89. Now we're just Batman at, or we're technically calling the second season Batman at Returns for obvious reasons, nice. you know. So. Like it. Okay, now, though Dr. Loomis is barely in this minute, I did want to talk about him first. Okay. For me, it's because I just learned some new things about him just in the last couple of days. Because as listeners would know, I've been searching for some of the Halloween comics that are available and reading extra stuff outside the films. But first, Niall. What do you think of Dr. Loomis? Uh, oh, I, As like a character. I, I really, uh, I love him. I just, I love Donald Pleasance in general. Mm. So, uh, you know, I was, I was happy to get some minutes that involved him. Just barely, yeah. How, however brief that might have been. Does he even say anything? Yeah. <laughs> but I do think that he's, uh, he, he's got the slight problem of sort of like overselling Michael Myers a bit. Yes. He's, it's the fact he's so obsessed with like how insanely evil he is. It's like, <laughs> he just killed his sister and has been catatonic. Why are you, why do you think he is literally the devil incarnate? Because it's, it's it's not as if like you know in Silence of the Lambs when like they bring in Clarice Starling in and they're like well there, yeah there was one day when he complained of chest pain yeah and you know they, they took off the mask and then he like a bit bit a nurse in the neck you know like, if Michael Myers was doing that I could understand but this is like yes, one night fifteen years ago he killed his sister by the time they caught Hannibal Lecter he killed a bunch of people they know he's more dangerous yeah so I think so, like yeah. um, I don't know if you you know in Freddy versus Jason the whole plotline of that revolves around the fact that Freddy is using Jason Voorhees to get people scared yeah. to sort of revoke yeah to scare people so they have nightmares yeah, again yeah. and it's like he should have gone to Dr. Loomis really because if he, if he had him bigging him up the way he bigs <laughs> up Michael Myers the entire freaking state would have been like oh my god what, what's coming now in the comics and even in the novelization he does have more of a reason to think Michael's bad Michael Everyone that does something Michael doesn't like at the sanitarium ends up hurt or dead oh. in, like, accidents. And Loomis connects them all and thinks Michael hurt all of these people, even though they can't prove it. Is it like they're found, like, really violently murdered? Or is it, like, su more supernatural than that? Like, um, Well, someone falls off the roof after pissing off Michael. A 16-year-old girl at a Halloween party that Loomis lets happen to trap Michael. Mm. Uh, she had beat Michael in a game of musical chairs. <laughs> <laughs> and at when she's bobbing for apples, she nearly drowns when the lights go off. Oh man! I have to say, I think Michael Myers would be pretty pretty easy to beat in musical chairs. He doesn't seem like he's the most uh, <laughs> active kid. Um. So then, just yesterday, I found one of the comics, uh, One Good Scare, which is about Doctor Loomis's son and Lindsay Doyle as adults. In the novelization, Loomis has a wife and a son, but they aren't mentioned in the movie. In fact, Donald Pleasance was supposed to film a scene where he called his wife from the phone booth mm. before he calls the police, and he thought it would work better if his character didn't have a wife, no. so they didn't do it. And I found the one shot, which actually turned out to be prose, not comic, called Sam, which is all about Loomis and his life before and after like the whole series of movies. It cu cuts in in between each one to when he's older, and find out he left England in 1957 to come to America. 
he had a girlfriend there named Elizabeth. And in the other comic, Chaos Comics, he has a girlfriend who's a doctor at the hospital. She's the one who ends up falling off the roof. Oh. Her name is Jennifer. And the big one for me was uh, December 31st, 1977. Loomis puts a gun in his mouth because he's kind of losing his mind to all this darkness. And then it occurs to him, what if he's right? Mm. Like, he's the only one who believes it. So he doesn't kill himself on New Year's Eve. And then 10 months later, oh. Michael gets out. Mm. But the fun thing is not from comics. It was actually from uh, Film School Rejects, although I think they got it from What Culture. Did you know um, Sam Loomis takes his name from a character in Psycho, right? Yeah, yeah. Marion Crane's boyfriend, who ends up catching Norman Bates. Well, the theory from this guy at What Culture is that John Carpenter wasn't just taking the name Sam Loomis as an homage, but what if this Sam Loomis is that Sam Loomis? Oh. And that's like why he got into being a psychiatrist is because he dealt with Norman Bates and it came into this whole thing about his guilt over Marianne and then catching this crazy guy became a doctor for some reason became English and like the stress of the job clearly made him go bold and all of their choices for Loomis were English too so yeah but I like the idea that I'm like I want to go rewatch Psycho again and see if I can connect him in my head canon like can that be him. I mean, I'm sure, like, if you want to make anything fit, you you can. Yeah. <laughs> but I think I'll say it's a, it's a fun one. It's a fun theory, but it's not one I would buy into just by the fact that, like, yeah, he's, he's an English man. <laughs> like, why, why would he suddenly become English after, what, 30-odd years of being American? <laughs> yeah. I, I don't often like the weird movie theories yeah. people have like that, but this one I was like, that's pretty cool. But yeah, he became English. <laughs> I was uh, shocked to find out, though, because, like, I'm a fan of, like, uh, pretty much all the Halloween films, you know, for better or for worse, except Six, which I think is just irredeemable. And I I was stunned to find out that Dr. Wynn is actually in... He's the villain, He's the guy in Six. He's, like... I spoiled that last minute. (laughs) But uh, I had no idea that, like, oh, they had that level of connectivity between them (laughs) to be like, oh, yeah, this this guy here is that character. It's like, oh, I had no idea. Doesn't improve Halloween (laughs) Six by any stretch of the imagination. I like Six, except for the weird... It was nice nice to know. Badly put together ending. Like, both versions of the end don't quite make sense but i like the concept yeah well i know the other version isn't it that he he passes the the cult of thorn rune onto loomis yeah and something and michael gets away in the trench coat and stuff and it's like yeah and then they didn't have loomis for all the uh, okay they didn't have all the shots of donald Pleasant, so it happens kind of off screen in the released version which is weird yeah <laughs> <laughs> but no, I did I did not care for six on any level. I also saw six a lot. I worked in a movie theater when it came out, so oh. I saw the end of it often and the beginning of it often. Mm. I think I, I just kind of got a bit of um, a soft spot for the other ones because, you know, growing up before we had like cable or satellite television or anything like that, and before you had like the prevalence of, you know, streaming services and stuff like that, around Halloween, you just had to kind of take what was ever, whatever they put on. Yeah. And more often than not, they would put on one of the Halloween sequels rather than yeah some station would show one of the, them the, the first ones I think that's why I have such like a real defensive mechanism for Halloween 3 it's like oh it's a great movie even though I know there's long stretches of it that are really boring but it's like no the good parts are, are great though <laughs> so and I know because I saw it like 17 times because it was on every friggin year yeah. that's like we had the first one the second one and the fourth one on video so I've seen those three a lot I will defend anything in them mm. i take it though because you were very strictly michael myers man it's like threes off the table i was like nope don't want to don't want to know about it <laughs> i might do i might do a bonus episode because he is in it mm. oh yeah, it's very on tv 
but he's fictional. So I might talk about it for an episode. But yeah, I won't be covering it minute by minute now. Yeah. Although I have to say, um, the, the stance of Dr. Wynn here is very reminiscent of those weird robot guys <laughs> in the third one. It's kind of like, oh, it's, it's, yeah, you, you could work in the theories like maybe he was one of them. Or maybe he's connected to them. Yeah. yeah. And then that, that, that's Halloween you saw in Season of the Witch. That was like a dramatic reconstruction of whatever. <laughs> the, oh, the case that, j- that just happened yeah, this, the other year. This was their Midwest plan that was their west coast plan mm. they're all working together yeah. So, uh, yeah so we take that and then you can work in sam loomis from psycho being in there as well if you want <laughs> exactly so the minute starts loomis's midline he says he gave him lessons he gets in his car which is parked in the handicapped space as i pointed out last minute <laughs> yeah. uh, and he drives away <laughs> i love that that could be his defense though it's like you don't understand for 15 years i watched it <laughs> it's like you can't just use michael myers for every excuse sam that's what you did that was flat out illegal you bumped into all those people with the queue what the hell are you doing it's like i do i watched him as he's looking past <laughs> the wall waiting for this night and then they're like yes you can park in the handicapped space it's okay <laughs> He just has to rant. <laughs> I must use that the next time myself <laughs> just to see if it works. <laughs> so Wynn watches him leave. A loudspeaker calls for a Dr. Chance towards C, and we cut to mm. the school. I'm assuming you'll probably get into this a lot more when you're talking about like the contents of what's been read in the classroom. But I wonder if like because this reading that the teacher does in the very next scene is all about fate and whatnot... The fact that it's a Dr. Chance yeah. must be a very deliberate choice. Exactly. The Dr. Chance thing isn't scripted, but yeah, the, when they put a sound yeah. in, they're like, hey, that'd yeah. be funny, maybe. Or, I have yeah. to say, though, like until I had to watch it for one minute at a time for like a strict analysis, I'd never actually stopped to listen to what Laurie's teacher is saying. I'm just sort of more focused on, I know this scene, I know what she's about to see, and you kind of build up your excitement from there. Yeah. But did you look at it this time? Like I, st- I couldn't. I couldn't find what the book was though. I kept. I was trying to. I was looking for cost. It's not real. It's not. I, I figured as much because it's like. No. Are, are they missing Constantine or something? Like why? Uh, Costain. Like what's Costain? Yeah, I didn't couldn't yeah, find it. When I wrote about this movie in my blog, I spent a long time googling every name the teacher says, trying to find some source, and just realized no, it's they scripted this scene because it has like thematic meaning yeah. to what's going on the mm. th- 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 thing is because then that will tie in you know one of the sort of most contentious debates of the whole of all the sequels is the fact then that they bring in and they're very strictly kept for so long the whole concept that like michael myers is pursuing his sister yeah. and that's who laurie strode is and i always preferred the other like no it's just a complete random happenstance that she happens to the person who leaves the key at the myers door he sees her yeah she goes to his porch he sees tommy yeah, and he follows them both and and that's it. That's like, yep, that's so that makes more sense to me. And then this all this talk of fate and whatnot. It's like she was fated by chance. Yeah. You could almost say as well. Dr. Chance. To be the victim just by like, yep, she just happened to be the one he saw. It could have been anybody else. And you know, that that's a much better thing of than him going like, Oh, I've somehow got this supernatural ability to know where <laughs> my long lost sister is. And you know, I can say, Yep, that's definitely her. Or the fate Fate and chance are also what put his sister on that porch, too. Maybe it can work both ways. Yeah, it does, yeah. The reason his sister ended up growing up with the Strodes mm. 
who were the ones in charge of the selling that house was fake. Well, that's the thing, though. The because isn't it the scene before this? There is that deleted scene where he's written "sister" on his cell. Yeah, he wrote "sister" on the door in his cell. And is that is is that bef- were they working on two at the time? So was that supposed to tie in? Yeah, they filmed it when they worked on two. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense then. But even then, you can take it as just referring to Judith, like backward. So it could be. Yeah, way. that's what I was kind of thinking. Of. Maybe he's just like, ah, oh, remember that? Remember what I did to my sister? It's like, oh, okay, Michael. <laughs> it's like a, that's but yeah they f- they filmed that scene when they were making halloween 2 and so they knew laurie's the sister note on the location this high school scene is actually filmed inside the elementary school that we see the outside of later mm. in uh garfield elementary and alhambra which is just south of south pasadena where they film a lot of the rest of this first thing i'd really notice now is because of the recent uh well sort of sleeper horror hit it follows has direct reference to this scene yeah. they have uh, michael monroe's character sitting noticing someone out the window and sitting in pretty much the same position in the classroom and stuff They're, out the window yeah they weren't particularly subtle about that one yeah now it's going to be forever joined but it's an it's a nice visual even oh i forgot to check this the visual here is a direct reference to a previous film oh. as well murray leader talks about it in uh, his book about this movie it's a movie called the innocence oh the innocence the deborah kerr yes. movie and, oh I, I love that movie yeah I, 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 I actually re-watched that movie just the other week there's a scene in that where someone's like the ghost is or something like there's a picture in here from that movie of the person standing mm. in like the swampy, grassy area, and it looks like Michael Myers. Oh, the the shot of Myers. Yes, that actually that is actually that's sort of very reminiscent of probably like the best scene in The Innocence. Yeah, there's um the ghostly one of the maids is supposed to haunt the the big fancy house that Deborah Kerr goes to work in, and she comes down and yeah, she's out by a pond and looks over and sees this person just standing there. Like it's it, yeah, it's an intensely creepy moment actually. So apparently, yeah. this is a direct reference to that. But yeah, no, I can totally see that. I suppose you're gonna steal steal from the best, you know? But- yeah. Uh, so the teacher says, uh, and the book ends, but what Samuels is really talking about here is fate. You see fate caught up with several lives here. No matter what course of action Collins took, he was destined to his own fate, his own day of reckoning with himself. And then second 39, Lori looks out the window and we get to see. It's the first time we see Michael in the mask. Yeah. I imagine Laurie's probably like, is that, is that William Shatner over there? <laughs> <laughs> Probably thinking because at this point, this is before the motion Star Trek the motion picture came out. Yeah. So conceivably, William Shatner's just down his luck. It's like, like, oh William man, Shatner he could really use some sun. sun. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's just like he's looking a bit more jowly or something. I don't know. But yeah, the guy doesn't look well. He's just kind of, <laughs> you can imagine like a drunk William Shatner in the street just standing, staring at a school, going, the felony I had paid more attention or something. <laughs> but, uh,. <laughs> Is this the first time we really kind of get a glimpse of the mask? Yes. That's actually the next thing I wanted to talk about is this, what they did for the mask. Because this is when we see it. Because mm. I know I know, just from I have a sort of habit of tying absolutely everything back to Batman <laughs> because that's the show I do. Yeah. Uh, I do. I was, exactly. They chose this between two masks and the other one was based on uh, the Emmett Kelly Weary Willie character. Yeah, Don Post Emmett Kelly. Exactly. That had frizzy red hair. But the actual uh, Emmett Kelly, you know, weary, willy uh, clown character has this, you know, very kind of blue mouth with white lips and very, you know, grumpy looking and a bit of a red nose. And that seems to have influenced a clown mask the Joker wears in the 60s TV show, which would then be oh, yeah. replicated in the beginning of The Dark Knight when, when the Joker's robbing the bank and he's wearing the clown mask, the one he rips off. Looks very similar to uh, Emmett Kelly. So there you go. There's a tie in right there. There you go. 
Yeah, they, they chose between two masks, which they bought for about $2 each because they were very cheap. <laughs> and they ended up going with the, as you said, William Shatner mask, Captain Kirk. Mm. Um, though they ripped off the eyebrows and the sideburns, they painted it white and kind of messed up the hair a bit and cut the eyes hole, the eye holes slightly bigger to get this mask. I would have thought, though, from looking at the, the other mask, what, what, would, what, what are your feelings on it? Do you think that would have worked as well? Or could you not really, like, just because you're so used to what Michael Myers' mask is, you don't think you could be given an impartial opinion of about like, well, this clearly would have worked better than that. Both. (laughs) I think it would have worked because that's even creepier, you know, have this clown coming after Mm. you. And there are movies that do that. Well, uh... But also, yeah, I don't think I can look at it impartially. Wasn't it the, the... The Tommy Wallace who works on this is the same to- Tommy Wallace who made the, the TV miniseries of It. Huh. So it kind of would have weirdly tied in. Yeah, yeah. Cause, but they have that. Like, Tom, Tommy Lee Wallace, I think he was going by by then. But yeah, that would have been weird if he was yeah. just like, yeah, I did the Halloween movie with the creepy clown guy. Oh, look, I'm making the Stephen King thing about a creepy clown as well. <laughs> or maybe that's why he did It, because he really liked the clown mask more. <laughs> He's been pursuing that for like the next 15 years. He's like, I'm making, I'm making something with a clown in it. I don't care what it is. But I like, I like the blank mask because it sort of goes along with the fate thing. And like that Michael is just this random person who came into town and is killing people because yeah, it's not yeah. easy to identify. It's not specific because mm. they altered it a lot. Uh, I'll also say too, because the scene in It Follows as well, that, that goes into the, the and, and that scene, they're quoting the whole, uh, the T.S. Eliot poem, which is, you know, the whole, you know, the eternal coat man holds my coat and snickers and all that business, Yeah, which seems to be more about like the sort of, the inevitability of death. Yeah. They're trying to do the same thing. Yeah. Or at least they're talking about like, oh, you're, you know, fate. But then the people that it follows are like, well, we don't want to have to write our own. <laughs> so we'll just take one that's uh, well known. Well, as you said a moment ago, if you're going to steal from something, steal from something good. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Or homage to something good. Uh, yeah. Apparently yeah. Shatner didn't know they used his mask until many years after, mm. but he was honored by the gesture. I do wonder though, like what what would he said in an interview? What would be the legality though if, if he if Shatner like say in like the mid nineties hit on hard times and he's like I haven't got a penny to my name, can I sue the <laughs> Halloween people? Because that's that's use of my image. That is me. Get some money back. I'm the face of that franchise, kinda. Yeah. So I don't know, maybe they could be like, no, we've altered it way too much for it to be recognizable as you. Yeah, because they cut off eyebrows and sideburns, painted it, mm. they made the eyes bigger. Maybe a certain percentage of change means it's no longer his image. Yeah, that'd be like the whole YouTube Legally. copyright business of like, oh, if you flip the image, then it's exactly. totally fine. Flip it or make it just half the screen while you're on one side. No one notices. <laughs> I wonder if he ever kind of bragged about it, though. Like, was phoning up Nimoy during their rivalry. It was just like, so, uh, you know, I'm, uh, I'm the face. Of this big horror franchise that everybody knows now. What are you doing, Leonard? Just a little Star Trek stuff, huh? Oh, well, that's, that's too, that's too bad. <laughs> yeah, he gets to be Michael Myers. <laughs> yeah. So when the teacher says, "How does Samuel's view of fate differ from that of Costain?" Neither Samuel nor Costain are real things. These are this is all a reference. Hmm written for the script so you think that if you were to look into a deep way would you think that they've deliberately chosen the name samuel to be reminiscent of sam loomis or yeah it seems like well why would you use sam twice unless you were trying to evoke something and also from the original script or not the script but early ideas they did have mention of Samhain or what they call in the second one sam haynes so it could also be yeah. both reference to that too <laughs> as again just like loomis kind of undermining himself by going around and calling sam hayne <laughs> it's like yeah. Samhain. come on dude because of this these movies for years everyone pronounced it that way because we didn't know any better yeah. we trust dr loomis 
Now, in the script, another student tries to answer the teacher's question. Um, she asks a kid named Edwin, and he says, and it's a lovely high school answer because it's totally meaningless. He's like, uh, doesn't he feel that no matter how complicated something is, it's also really simple, too? <laughs> and the teacher just says, no, Lori. <laughs> I wonder if he's that kid in front of, like, the doing what the kids nowadays would call man-spreading. He's just got the legs splayed way wide. <laughs> That's like, that, that looks like the kind of doofus answer he'd give. Look at that guy. <laughs> Sit up in your chair, you damn slouch. <laughs> yeah, I, I teach high school students a lot, and I'm like, I've read that answer in the script. I'm like, yeah, I've heard that answer before. <laughs> <laughs> Although, have you ever come across? Because I, I think this, you know, this, we're, we're encroaching a bit into the next minute, I guess. But I do love the fact that they kind of defy your expectation yeah. and give Laurie a nice bit of characterization in that in any other movie, she would just be stumped and then just be like, oh, I'll pay, it, pay more attention. And that'd be the end of that. Right, because she wasn't paying attention. Yeah. But in this, she actually, no, she's she knows what she's talking about and she can answer the question very concisely. Uh-huh. I was like, oh, that's a nice twist on the, uh, the, the genre convention. Not the genre convention, just any, you can stick that in any movie. But, uh, yeah. As as a high school teacher, have you come across anyone? You're like, ah, oh, damn it! I thought I had you. And it turns out you were kind of paying attention. Yeah, you ask a question, and then they just know exactly what you're talking about, <laughs> or they know something you haven't even taught yet because you're gonna do it that day. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That is a little bit into minute seventeen, but you won't be with me for minute seventeen, so that's okay. <laughs> I'm gonna spare you minute seventeen because in my notes, which are single spaced, there's like six pages of notes for minute seventeen, so Ooh. it's a little long. Oh, man. There's a whole rant about let's fate. Go, go, to make sure I listen to that episode, though, just to find out what the hell you got to say. A history with. lesson on Halloween and trick-or-treating, I think, in oh, there. Nice. A bunch of stuff. Um, I will say, though, this is actually, uh, you know, the minutes given to me by complete fate or chance, if you will. But yeah. this is actually one of my favorite moments of the whole movie is her first seeing him because it's such an intensely creepy shot. Because it is just like, yeah. you would be freaked out. You just look out and see that. You'd be like, the hell's that? Why is he, is he staring at me? Yeah, it's before like, when he saw her, she didn't see him so this one's big yeah as it kind of makes you wonder why she's not freaking out more when she keeps seeing him because i i think by like the time you think you saw him in the garden i've been like wait what what the hell is going on this guy yeah. is definitely definitely guy following me but she seems to be kind of keep her cool about it until yeah. he's right behind her in the house and stuff which is a big difference between Laurie in the movie and Laurie in the novelization is Laurie in the movie is a lot more calm and mm. sort of carefree even though she's got this guy that might be following her she doesn't think that much of it until later yeah. in the novel yeah. she keeps thinking about death and murder and wondering who this person is mm. any other notes for minute 16 no I think that's uh, that's me that's me noted out right there <laughs> that is all for minute 16 now Niall if the listeners want to stalk you where can they go to do that like home address regular hangouts <laughs> date of birth social security well, uh, I'm in uh, Haddonfield Illinois uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, no like you can find uh, if you were you know wanted to listen to a show very similar to this one but on the Batman movies from 1989 through to and including 1997 uh, we, do, we can't do the Dark Knight ones because other guys are doing that uh, you can find us at what's now just Bat Minute. It was previously Bat Minute 89, but it's now just Bat Minute. If you're just to Google that, you should get us straight away. Uh, we're on all the major social medias, like your Facebooks. We've got the Bat Minute Listener's Cave, where we have loads of conversations about the show and just Batman and extended stuff in general about Jack Nicholson and DeVito, Michelle Pfeiffer, all that stuff. Uh, and then you can um, <laughs> you can find the show on any uh, sort of major uh, podcatcher, you know, iTunes and all the stuff for 
for Android as well. I think we've got them pretty much all covered. Uh, and yeah, uh, I'm not. The, we should be launching returns in September. We're recording at the minute, and but hopefully at the start of September we should be airing those. So if you want to take the time now and speed through the first movie, you can uh, you can catch us at the start of returns. That's a problem I have with a lot of the movies by minute things. Is I come in in the middle and I'm like, do I want to go back and catch up? Oh, you gotta start, or just accept that I've seen the movie and I'll keep going. <laughs> oh no, you gotta you gotta start from the beginning because the nature of the oh, these I always shows, want to. It's just because they usually have like recurring jokes and stuff, and then if you come in midway, you'll be yeah. like, nah. I'm missing out. <laughs> like, I need to know where the hell this this catchphrase yeah. came from and stuff. So it's like I don't understand this joke. Yeah. So, <laughs> no, no, I'm a, I'm a firm. No matter how it, much it hurts you, particularly if you join like the groups and stuff on Facebook, and people are already talking about what was in that episode this week, and you're like, oh, I'm still in like yeah. minute twenty, you know, <laughs> but I'm I'm getting there eventually. <laughs> the Michael Myers Minute is a production of Lemming Drop Studio. You can find more content at lemmingdrops.com. You can stalk us on Twitter and Facebook at Myers Minute or join our Facebook listener group 45 Lampkin Lane. Don't forget to subscribe. Leave us an extra review if you like what you hear. Until next time. Welcome to the Michael Myers Minute, where we delve into the 1978 horror classic Halloween one minute at a time. I'm your host, Robert Black. For those waiting with bated breath, Dr. Loomis's coat does not remain in the air forever. And we have a guest today, uh, Niall McGowan of Batminute 89. Welcome, Niall. Oh, hello. Hello, Robert. Thank you for having me. I should add, because uh, we've finished the 89 Batman, we've moved on to Batman Returns now. So between movies, we're doing like little hiatus episodes, and we had a double episode looking at uh, Purple Rain. We're sort of rebranded now, because we were, for so long, we were Batman at 89. Now we're just Batman it. Or we're technically calling the second season Batman at Returns for obvious reasons. Nice. You know, so. like it. Okay, now, though Dr. Loomis is barely in this minute, I did want to talk about him first. Okay. For me, it's because I just learned some new things about him just in the last couple days. Because as listeners would know, I've been searching for some of the Halloween comics that are available and reading extra stuff outside the films. But first, Niall. What do you think of Dr. Loomis? Uh, oh, I, like a character. I, re- I really, uh, I love him. I just, I love Donald Pleasance in general. Mm. So, uh, you know, I was, I was happy to get some minutes that involved him. Just barely. Yeah. How, however brief that might have been. Does he even say anything? Yeah. <laughs> but I do think that he's, uh, he's got the slight problem of sort of like overselling Michael Myers a bit. Yes. He's, it's the fact he's so obsessed with like how insanely evil he is. It's like, <laughs> he just killed his sister and it has been catatonic. Why are you, why do you think he is literally the devil incarnate? Because it's, it's it's not as if like you know in Silence of the Lambs when like they bring in Clarice Starling in and they're like well there, yeah there was one day when he complained of chest pain yeah and you know they, they took off the mask and then he like a bit bit a nurse in the neck you know if Michael Myers was doing that I could understand but this is like yes, one night fifteen years ago he killed his sister by the time they caught Hannibal Lecter he killed a bunch of people they know he's more dangerous yeah so I think so, like yeah. um, I don't know if you you know in Freddy versus Jason the whole plotline of that revolves around the fact that Freddy 
already is using Jason Voorhees to get people scared yeah. to sort of revoke Yeah, to scare people so they have nightmares yeah, again. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, he should have gone to Dr. Loomis, really, because if he, if he had him bigging him up, the way he bigs <laughs> up Michael Myers, the entire freaking state would have been like, oh my god, what, what's coming? Now, in the comics, and even in the novelization, he does have more of a reason to think Michael's bad. Michael Everyone that does something Michael doesn't like at the sanitarium ends up hurt or dead in, like, accidents. And Loomis connects them all and thinks Michael hurt all of these people, even though they can't prove it. Is it like they're found, like, really violently murdered? Or is it, like, more supernatural than that? Um, Well, someone falls off the roof after pissing off Michael. A 16-year-old girl at a Halloween party that Loomis lets happen to trap Michael. Mm. Uh, She had beat Michael in a game of musical chairs. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and at when she's bobbing for apples, she nearly drowns when the lights go off. Oh, man. I have to say, I think Michael Myers would be pretty pretty easy to beat in musical chairs. He doesn't seem like he's the most uh, <laughs> active kid. Um, so then just yesterday, I found one of the comics, uh, One Good Scare, which is about Dr. Loomis's son and Lindsay Doyle as adults. In the novelization, Loomis has a wife and a son, but they aren't mentioned in the movie. In fact, Donald Pleasance was supposed to film a scene where he called his wife from the phone booth mm. before he calls the police, and he thought it would work better if his character didn't have a wife, oh. so they didn't do it. And I found the one shot, which actually turned out to be prose, not comic, called Sam, which is all about Loomis and his life before and after like the whole series of movies. It cu- cuts in in between each one to when he's older, and find out he left England in 1957 to come to America. He had a girlfriend there named Elizabeth, and in the other comic, Chaos Comics, he has a girlfriend who's a doctor at the hospital. She's the one who ends up falling off the roof. Her name is Jennifer. And the big one for me was uh, December 31st, 1977. Loomis puts a gun in his mouth because he's kind of losing his mind to all this darkness. And then it occurs to him, what if he's right? Mm. Like, he's the only one who believes it, so he doesn't kill himself on New Year's Eve. And then ten months later, Michael gets out. Mm. But the fun thing is not from comics. It was actually from uh, Film School Rejects, although I think they got it from what culture? Did you know um, Sam Loomis takes his name from a character in Psycho, right? Yeah, yeah. Marion Crane's boyfriend, who ends up catching Norman Bates. Well, the theory from this guy at what culture is that John Carpenter wasn't just taking the name Sam Loomis as an homage, but what if this Sam Loomis is that Sam Loomis. Oh. And that's like why he got into being a psychiatrist is because he dealt with Norman Bates and it came into this whole thing about his guilt over Marianne and then catching this crazy guy. Became a doctor. For some reason became English. And like the stress of the job clearly made him go bold. And all of their choices for Loomis were English too. So yeah. But I like the idea that I'm like, I want to go rewatch Psycho again and see if I can connect him in my head canon. Like, can that be him? I mean, I'm sure, like, if you want to make anything fit, you you can. Yeah. <laughs> but I think I'll say it's a, it's a fun one. It's a fun theory, but it's not one I would buy into just by the fact that, like, yeah, he's, he's an English man. <laughs> like, why, why would he suddenly become English after, what, 30-odd years of being American? <laughs> yeah. I, I don't often like the weird movie theories yeah. people have like that, but this one I was like, that's pretty cool. But yeah, he became English. <laughs> I was uh, shocked to find out, though, because, like, I'm a fan of, like, uh, pretty much all the Halloween 
films, you know, for better or for worse, okay. except six, which I think is just irredeemable. And I was I was stunned to find out that Doctor Wynn is actually in. He's the villain. He's yeah. the guy in six. He's like I spoiled that last minute. But the, I had no idea that like oh they had that level of connectivity between them <laughs> to be like oh yeah the, the, this this guy here is that character. It's like, oh, no, I had no idea. Doesn't improve Halloween <laughs> six by any stretch I, of the I like six except for but, the weird. Yeah, it was nice, it was nice to know. Like, badly put together ending like both versions of the ending don't quite make sense but i like the concept yeah well i know the other version isn't it that he he passes the the cult of thorn rune onto loomis yeah and something that michael gets away in the trench coat and stuff and it's like yeah and then they didn't have loomis for all the uh, okay they didn't have all the shots of donald pleasant so it happens kind of off screen in the released version which is weird yeah <laughs> <laughs> but no, I did. I did not care for six on any level. I also saw six a lot. I worked in a movie theater when it came out, so oh. I saw the end of it often and the beginning of it often. Mm. I think I, I just kind of got a bit of um, a soft spot for the other ones because you know, growing up before we had like cable or satellite television or anything like that, and before you had like the prevalence of you know streaming services and stuff like that around Halloween, you just had to kind of take what was ever whatever they put on, yeah. and more often than not, they would put on one of the Halloween sequels rather than yeah some station would show one of the, them the, the first ones I think that's why I have such like a real defensive mechanism for Halloween 3 it's like no it's a great movie even though I know there's long stretches of it that are really boring but it's like no the good parts are, are great though <laughs> so and I know because I saw it like 17 times because it was on every freaking year yeah. that's like we had the first one the second one and the fourth one on video so I've seen those three a lot I will defend anything in them mm. i take it though because you were very strictly michael myers man it's like threes off the table i was like nope don't want to don't want to know about it <laughs> i might do i might do a bonus episode because he is in it mm. oh, yeah, it's very... on tv but he's fictional so i might talk about it for an episode but yeah i won't be covering it minute by minute no. yeah although i have to say um the, the stance of dr win here is very reminiscent of those weird robot guys <laughs> In the third one, it's kind of like, oh, it's, it's, yeah, you, you could work in the theories like maybe he was one of them. Or maybe he's connected to them. Yeah. yeah. And then that, that, that's Halloween you saw in Season of the Witch. That was like a dramatic reconstruction of whatever. <laughs> oh, the case that, that just happened yeah, this, the other year. This was their Midwest plan. That was their West Coast plan. Mm. They're all working together. Yeah. Like, yeah. So we take that and then you can work in Sam Loomis from Psycho being in there as well <laughs> if you want. <laughs> exactly. So the minute starts, Loomis is midline. He says he gave him lessons. He gets in his car, which is parked in the handicapped space, as I pointed out last minute. <laughs> yeah. uh, and he drives away. <laughs> I love that that could be his defense, though. It's like, you don't understand. For 15 years, I watched it. It's like, you can't just use Michael Myers for every excuse, Sam. That's what you did that was flat out illegal. You bumped into all those people in the queue. What the hell are you doing? It's like, I, do, I watched him as he's looking past the wall, <laughs> waiting for this night. And then they're like, yes, you can park in the handicapped space. It's okay. <laughs> He just has to rant. I must use that the next time myself, just to see if it works. <laughs> so Wynn watches him leave. A loudspeaker calls for a Dr. Chance towards C, and we cut to mm. the school. I'm assuming you'll probably get into this a lot more when you're talking about like the contents of what's been read in the classroom. But I wonder if, like, because this reading that the teacher does in the very next scene is all about fate and whatnot, 
the fact that it's a Dr. Chance yeah. must be a very deliberate choice. Exactly. The Dr. Chance thing isn't scripted, but yeah, the, when they put a sound yeah. in, they're like, hey, that'd yeah. be funny, maybe. Or, I have yeah. to say, though, like until I had to watch it for one minute at a time for like a strict analysis, I'd never actually stopped to listen to what Laurie's teacher is saying. I'm just sort of more focused on, I know this scene, I know what she's about to see, and you kind of build up your excitement from there. Yeah. But did you look at it this time? Like I, st- I couldn't. I couldn't find what the book was though. I kept. I was trying to. I was looking for cost. It's not real. It's not. I, I figured as much because I thought like. No. Are, are they missing Constantine or something? Like why? Uh, why Costain. Like what's Costain? Yeah, I didn't couldn't yeah, find it. When I wrote about this movie in my blog, I spent a long time googling every name the teacher says, trying to find some source, and just realized no, it's they scripted this scene because it has like thematic meaning yeah. to what's going on mm. the th- 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 thing is because then that will tie in you know one of the sort of most contentious debates of the whole of all the sequels is the fact then that they bring in and they very strictly kept for so long the whole concept that like michael myers is pursuing his sister yeah. and that's who laurie schrode is and i always preferred the other like no it's just a complete random happenstance that she happens to the person who leaves the key at the myers door he sees her yeah she goes to his porch he sees tommy yeah, and he follows them both and then that's it that's like yep that's so that makes more sense to me and then this all this talk of fate and whatnot it's like she was fated by chance yeah you could almost say as well like chance to be the victim just by like yep she just happened to be the one he saw it could have been anybody else and you know that that's a much better thing of than him going like oh i've somehow got this supernatural ability to know where <laughs> my long lost sister is and you know like it's like oh, yep that's definitely her or the fate Fate and chance are also what put his sister on that porch, too. Maybe it can work both ways. Yeah, it does, yeah. The reason his sister ended up growing up with the Strodes, mm. who were the ones in charge of the selling that house, was fate. Well, that's the thing, though. Because isn't it the scene before this, there is that deleted scene where he's written sister on his cell? Yeah, he wrote sister on the door in his cell. And is that... Is, is that bef- were they working on two at the time? So was that supposed to tie in? Yeah, they filmed it when they worked on two. Yeah, yeah, it makes sense then. But even then, you can take it as just referring to Judith, like backward. So it could be. Yeah, way. that's what I was kind of thinking. Maybe he's just like, ah, oh, remember that? Remember what I did to my sister? It's like, oh, okay, Michael. It's like a, that's. But yeah, they f- they filmed that scene when they were making Halloween two, and so they knew Laurie's the sister. Note on the location, this high school scene is actually filmed inside the elementary school that we see the outside of later Mm. in uh, Garfield Elementary in Alhambra, which is just south of South Pasadena, where they film a lot of the rest of this. First thing I'd really notice now is because of the recent, uh, well, sort of sleeper horror hit, It Follows, has direct reference to this scene. We have uh, Michael Monroe's character sitting, noticing someone at the window and sitting in pretty much the same position in the classroom and stuff. Out the window, yeah. They weren't particularly subtle about that one yeah now it's going to be forever joined but it's an it's a nice visual even oh i forgot to check this the visual here is a direct reference to a previous film as well murray leader talks about it in uh, his book about this movie it's a movie called The Innocence. Oh, The Innocence, the Deborah Kerr yes. movie. And, oh, I, I love that movie. Yeah, I, 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 I actually rewatched that movie just the other week. There's a scene in that where someone's like the ghost is or something like. There's a picture in here from that movie of the person standing mm. in like the swampy, grassy area, and it looks like Michael Myers. Oh, the the shot of Myers. Yes, that actually that is actually that's sort of very reminiscent of 
probably like the best scene in the innocence yeah there's um the ghostly one of the maids is supposed to haunt the the big fancy house that deborah Kerr goes to work in and she comes down and yeah she's out by a pond and looks over and sees this person just standing there like it's it, yeah it's an intensely creepy moment actually so apparently yeah. this is a direct reference to that but yeah no i can totally see that i suppose you're gonna steal steal from the best you know but- yeah uh, so the teacher says, uh, and the book ends, but what Samuels is really talking about here is fate. You see, fate caught up with several lives here. No matter what course of action Collins took, he was destined to his own fate, his own day of reckoning with himself. And then second 39, Lori looks out the window. And we get to see, it's the first time we see Michael in the mask. Yeah, I imagine Laurie's probably like, is that is that William Shatner over there? <laughs> <laughs> Probably thinking because at this point, this, this is before the motion Star Trek the motion picture came out. Yeah. So conceivably, William Shatner's just down his luck. It's like, like, oh William man, Shatner he could really use some sun. sun. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's just like he's looking a bit more jowly or something. I don't know. But yeah, the guy doesn't look well. He's just kind of, you can imagine like a drunk William Shatner in the street just standing, staring at a school, going, if only I had paid more attention or something. <laughs> but, uh,. <laughs> Is this the first time we really kind of get a glimpse of the mask? Yes. That's actually the next thing I want to talk about is this, what they did for the mask. Because this is when we see it. Because mm. I know I know, just from I have a sort of habit of tying absolutely everything back to Batman <laughs> because that's the show I do. Yeah. Uh, I do. I always, exactly. They chose this between two masks and the other one was based on uh, the Emmett Kelly Weary Willie character. Yeah, Don Post Emmett Kelly. Exactly. That had frizzy red hair. But the actual uh, Emmett Kelly, you know, weary willy uh, clown character has this, you know, very kind of blue mouth with white lips and very, you know, grumpy looking and a bit of a red nose. And that seems to have influenced a clown mask the Joker wears in the 60s TV show, which would then be oh, yeah. replicated in the beginning of The Dark Knight when, when the Joker's robbing the bank and he's wearing the clown mask, the one he rips off. Looks very similar to uh, Emmett Kelly. So there you go. There's a tie in right there. There you go. Yeah, they, they chose between two masks, which they bought for about $2 each because they were very cheap. And <laughs> they ended up going with the, as you said, William Shatner mask, Captain Kirk. Mm. Um, though they ripped off the eyebrows and the sideburns, they painted it white and kind of messed up the hair a bit and cut the eyes hole, the eye holes slightly bigger to get this mask. I would have thought, though, from looking at the, the other mask, what, what, would, what, would, what are your feelings on it? Do you think that would have worked as well? Or could you not really, like, just because you're so used to what Michael Myers' mask is, you don't think you could be given an impartial opinion of about like well this clearly would have worked better than that both (laughs) i think it would have worked because that's even creepier you know have this clown coming after Mm. you and there are movies that do that well uh, but also yeah i don't think i can look at it impartially wasn't it the 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 tommy wallace who works on this is the same tommy wallace who made the the tv mini series of it so it kind of would have weirdly tied in yeah yeah but they have that like tommy lee wallace i think he was going by by then but yeah that would have been weird if he's just like yeah i did the halloween movie with the creepy clown guy look i'm making the stephen king thing about a creepy clown as well Or maybe that's why he did it, because he really liked the clown mask more. <laughs> he's been pursuing that for like the next fifteen years. He's like, I'm making, I'm making something with a clown in it. I don't care what it is. But I like, I like the blank mask because it sort of goes along with the fate thing, and like that Michael is just this random person who came into town and is killing people because. Yeah, it's not yeah. easy to identify. It's not specific because mm. they altered it a lot. I uh, also say too because the scene in It Follows as well that that goes into the, the and the, and that scene they're quoting the whole uh, the T. S. Eliot poem, which is you know the whole you know the eternal coat man holds my coat and snickers and all that business. Yeah. 
which seems to be more about like the sort of the inevitability of death. Yeah. They're trying to do the same thing. Yeah. And at least they're talking about like, oh, you're, you know, fate. But then the people that it follows are like, well, we don't want it to write our own. <laughs> so we'll just take one that's uh, well known. Well, as you said a moment ago, if you're going to steal from something, steal from something good. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Or homage to something good. Uh, yeah. Apparently yeah. Shatner didn't know they used his mask until many years after, mm. but he was honored by the gesture. <laughs> I do wonder though, like what, what would... He said in an interview. What would be the legality though? If, if he, if Shatner, like say in like the mid 90s hit on hard times and he's like i haven't got a penny to my name can i sue the <laughs> halloween people because that's that's use of my image that is me get some money back i'm the face of that franchise kind of yeah so i don't know maybe they could be like no we've altered it way too much for it to be recognizable as you yeah because they cut off eyebrows and sideburns painted it mm. they made the eyes bigger maybe a certain percentage of change means it's no longer his image yeah that'd be like the whole youtube Legally. copyright business of like oh if you flip the image then it's exactly totally fine. flip it or make it just half the screen while you're on one side no one notices <laughs> i wonder if he ever kind of bragged about it though like was phoning up nimoy during their rivalry it was just like so uh you know i'm uh, i'm the face of this big horror franchise that everybody knows now what are you doing leonard just us uh, old star trek stuff huh it's too, it's too bad. <laughs> yeah, he gets to be Michael Meyer. <laughs> yeah, so when the teacher says, how does Samuel's view of fate differ from that of Costain? Neither Samuel nor Costain are real things. These are, this is all a reference hmm. written for the script. So, so you think that if you were to look into it deep way, would you think that they've deliberately chosen the name Samuel to be reminiscent of Sam Loomis? Or, yeah. It seems like, well, why would you use Sam twice unless you were trying to evoke something? And also from the original script, or not the script, but early ideas, they did have mention of Samhain or what they call in the second one, Sam Haynes. So it could also be yeah. both reference to that too. <laughs> as again just like Loomis kind of undermining himself by going around and calling Sam Hain <laughs> it's like yeah. Samhain come on dude because of this, these movies for years everyone pronounced it that way because we didn't know any better yeah. we trust Dr. Loomis <laughs> now in the script another student tries to answer the teacher's question um, she asks a kid named Edwin and he says and it's a lovely high school answer because it's totally meaningless he's like uh, doesn't he feel that no matter how complicated something is it's also really simple too <laughs> and the teacher just says no Laurie <laughs> I wonder if he's that kid in front of like the doing what the kids nowadays would call man spreading he's just got the legs splayed way wide <laughs> it's like, yeah, that looks like the kind of doofus answer he'd give look at that guy <laughs> sit up in your chair you damn slouch <laughs> yeah I, I teach high school students a lot and I'm like I've read that answer in the script I'm like yeah I've heard that answer before <laughs> <laughs> Although, have you ever come across? Because I, I think this, you know, this, we're, we're encroaching a bit into the next minute, I guess. But I do love the fact that they kind of defy your expectation yeah. and give Laurie a nice bit of characterization in that in any other movie, she would just be stumped and then just be like, oh, I'll pay, it, pay more attention. And that'd be the end of that. Right, because she wasn't paying attention. Yeah. But in this, she actually, no, she's she knows what she's talking about and she can answer the question very concisely. Uh -huh. I was like, oh, that's a nice twist on the, uh, the, the genre convention. Well, not the genre convention, just any, you can stick that in any movie, but... Uh, yeah. As as a high school teacher, have you come across anyone? You're like, ah, oh, damn it, I thought I had you. And it turns out you were kind of paying attention. Yeah, you ask a question and then they just know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> or they know something you haven't even taught yet because you're going to do it that day. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that is a little bit into minute 17, but you won't be with me for minute 17, so that's okay. <laughs> I'm going to spare you minute 17 because in my notes, which are single spaced, there's like six pages of notes for minute 17. So Ooh. it's a little long. 
Oh man, there's a whole rant about <laughs> fate. I've got to make sure I listen to that episode though, just to find out what the hell you got. A history with. lesson on Halloween and trick or treating, I think, in oh, there. Nice. A bunch of stuff. Um, I will say though, this is actually uh, you know the minutes given to me by complete fate or chance, if you will. But yeah. this is actually one of my favorite moments of the whole movie is her first seeing him because it's such an intensely creepy shot. Because it's just like yeah, you would be freaked out. You just look out and see that. You'd be like, the hell's that? Why is he? Is he staring at me? Yeah, it's before like, when he saw her she didn't see him so this one's big yeah it kind of makes you wonder why she's not freaking out more when she keeps seeing him because i i think by like the time you think you saw him in the garden i've been like wait what what the hell is going on this guy is definitely definitely following me but she seems to kind of keep her cool about it until he's right behind her in the house and stuff which is a big difference between laurie in the movie and laurie in the novelization is laurie in the movie is a lot more calm and mm. sort of carefree even though she's got this guy that might be following her she doesn't think that much of it until later yeah in the novel yeah. she keeps thinking about death and murder and wondering who this person is mm. any other notes for minute 16 no i think that's uh that's me that's me noted out right there <laughs> that is all for minute 16 now niall if the listeners want to stalk you where can they go to do that like home address regular hangouts <laughs> date of birth social security well uh, i'm in uh, haddonfield illinois uh, <laughs> uh no like you can find uh if you were you know wanted to listen to a show very similar to this one but on the batman movies from 1989 through to and including 1997 uh we do, we can't do the dark knight ones because other guys are doing that uh, you can find us at what's now just Bat Minute. It was previously Bat Minute 89, but it's now just Bat Minute. If you're just to Google that, you should get us straight away. Uh, we're on all the major social medias, like your Facebooks. We've got the Bat Minute Listener's Cave, where we have loads of conversations about the show and just Batman and extended stuff in general about Jack Nicholson and DeVito, Michelle Pfeiffer, all that stuff. Uh, and then you can um, <laughs> you can find the show on any uh, sort of major uh, pod catcher, if, you know, iTunes and all the stuff for android as well i think we've got them pretty much all covered uh and yeah uh i'm not the, we should be launching returns in september we're recording at the minute and but hopefully by the start of september we should be airing those so if you want to take the time now and speed through the first movie you can uh, you can catch us at the start of returns that's a problem i have with a lot of the movies by minute things is i come in in the middle and i'm like do i want to go back and catch up oh you gotta start or just accept that i've seen the movie and i'll keep going <laughs> oh no you gotta you gotta start from the beginning because the nature of the oh, these I always shows, want to. it's just because they usually have like recurring jokes and stuff and then if you come in midway you'll be yeah. like nah I'm missing out. <laughs> like, I need to know where the hell this this catchphrase yeah. came from and stuff. So it's like I don't understand this joke. Yeah. So, <laughs> no, no, I'm a, I'm a firm. No matter how much it hurts you, particularly if you join like the groups and stuff on Facebook, and people are already talking about what was in that episode this week, and you're like, oh, I'm still in like minute yeah. twenty, you know, <laughs> but I'm I'm getting there eventually. <laughs> the Michael Myers Minute is a production of Lemming Drop Studio. You can find more content at lemmingdrops.com. You can stalk us on Twitter and Facebook at Myers Minute or join our Facebook listener group 45 Lampkin Lane. Don't forget to subscribe. Leave us a nice review if you like what you hear. Until next time. See you.